Welcome to another episode of Rippin' Hoops. Carson, how are you doing on this fine World Cup Sunday? Yeah, I would say that um, it started off early for me, waking up at 6.30, getting a little workout in, and then watching, uh, honestly, maybe the greatest game ever played, definitely soccer-wise, maybe even sports-wise. Uh, did you get up and watch it? Absolutely. I, I couldn't miss it. I definitely think that's the best World Cup final. I mean, obviously, we weren't around for some of those in the past, but everybody seems to have a consensus that that was probably the best World Cup final ever. Um, Definitely, like, for the stakes and some of the goals that happened, the comeback that France had, I would say that was absolutely incredible. And if you slept through that, then I'm sorry. You should rewatch that game because it was amazing. If you slept through it, you probably didn't miss it on social media, though. Everyone was posting messy. Yeah. And it kind of just it just symbolized like if there was a if there was a comparison between him and Ronaldo for uh the greatest of all time, I think he kind of just put that to bed and he's he's kind of symbolized as the goat now for sure. Yeah, I agree. And we'll get into that later. We don't want to start off the pod with too much soccer, but that was, you know, we couldn't not mention that. And then my Eagles went, they, they're they 13-1 today. Still the best record in the NFL. So today's been a pretty good day. Haven't had to worry about the Blazers either. So sports-wise, it's been pretty good today. Yeah, and the Blazers have been pretty good lately. Um, we'll be talking about the game against the Wolves, the second game, the Spurs game, the Mavs game, and the Rockets game. But starting off with the Wolves game last week, um, pretty good win. Blazers won 133 to 112. They pretty much had the Wolves um, the whole game. Lillard was absolutely insane. He had 11 three-pointers made with like six minutes to go in the third quarter, and he had two wide-open looks and missed both of them. I think he was honestly nervous for the record. The record's 14, I believe, from Clay. Um and he, if he'd hit those, he would have been at 13, but he didn't end up playing the rest of the game because we were blowing them out. I think if we weren't blowing them out, he probably would have hit it, or if he'd even hit just one of those. But either way, Dame was just throwing money at the rim in this game. Yeah, um, Dame seemed unconscious. Um, he got in one of those zones like he used to get into uh, before the injury. And yeah, like you said, he had a couple of open looks um, in the third late part of the third and similar to the clay thompson situation um clay i think had about 12 threes um at the end of the third quarter and they were up by about 25 but uh kerr left them in so he could kind of get that record and i think um game just having coming off of an injury and then he also got like charlie horsed in the in the in the knee as well so they didn't want to just they didn't want to risk it um, at all. So I understand why they sat him out. Um, but not a lot of those opportunities come along, uh, even for a guy like Lillard. So it's kind of sad to not see him play, you know, a lick in the fourth quarter. But it's good that we got the W and we got basically all of our guys to rest going into our uh, six-game road trip. Yeah, it's one of those things like if you keep him in and he gets it, great. But if you keep him in and it looks really forced and he's kind of just like going for the record when we're up, he's just launching shots when we're up 30, it wouldn't be as good. And if he gets hurt, obviously people would be really upset. So there's really not a right answer from Chauncey. So I don't blame him for that. But the Blazers had 70 points in the first half. Um, this was their last home game before a six game road trip. So it was good that they were able to end it with a win. 
Um, we had 21 made threes, obviously 11 of those from Dame. That was a season high, and he finished with 38 points. Nurkic was also dominant on the glass with 16 rebounds, and Winslow had 10 assists. So Winslow finally getting back to that kind of playmaker role, which is really good to see. Um, yeah, it, um, especially off the bench where we haven't really been getting a lot of, I guess, like production. Um because we've had, you know, Sharp was in a little bit of a slump. He kind of came out of it in this game. Um, but the games coming into uh, the two games against Minnesota, we weren't really getting any production from the bench. So to see somebody get double-digit assists off the bench was really good to see, and especially from Winslow that basically was looking like a mummy like the last couple games. So um, to be active on the boards and especially um, passing the rock as well. Yeah, and we also got production from Jeremy Grant, who had his classic basically 22 points. Um, you can kind of rely on him to do that night after night. Obviously, he's going to have some games where he's off, but he's just very consistent. And like you said, Sharp was looking aggressive, especially going to the rim, had some highlight dunks. And then interesting note, Anthony Simons became the youngest player to make 100 threes in his first 25 games of the season. So a lot to look forward through, a lot to look forward too with Anthony's career as far as shooting and just being an absolute bucket but Blazers yeah, dominated I think, start I to think finish Anthony is one of four players in the NBA right now to have over 100 threes um Curry of course Anthony Buddy Heald and uh Malik Beasley are the only guys that have over 100 three-pointers right now um actually there might be five I think Donovan Mitchell eclipsed it yesterday the game I was watching but so five active players right now only have 100 103 pointers made so it's a good achievement for Anthony and he didn't really have to do very much this night 12 points but really nobody had to do anything with how well Dame and how efficient Dame was from shooting the ball yeah the way Anthony shoots the ball honestly he's got the cleanest stroke I've seen in a long time he just releases it so quickly and he seems to be able to gather himself and get balanced so easily even coming off the screen I wouldn't be surprised if he's actually the one to break that record one day of 14 threes I mean we've seen I think it was against Atlanta last year he had like eight in the first half or so there's been a couple games when I thought and the game against Denver he had yeah. seven and a quarter so yeah I wouldn't be surprised if when it's all said and done Anthony has the Blazers record over Dame I actually had a $1 bet on Anthony Simons to be the three-point made leader in the league this year. Um, that was to win $46. Obviously kind of just a fun one, but I don't think that'll happen unless Steph gets hurt, which he is right now. So if that continues longer, it's possible. But yeah, Anthony um, just throwing money at the rim like Dame throughout this week. So I, I swear when he shoots the ball, it just looks so easy. Yeah, very pure stroke and just like Dame, he's so good off the dribble, can create his own shot. Um, I would say this year he's been better off the dribble than Dame. Dame's been a lot better catch and shoot this year um, as kind of that off-ball guard, I would say, just getting back into the mix from his injuries and stuff. But um, Anthony, just from a screen from Nurk, screen from Eubanks, he seems very confident chucking up a three and usually makes it more than he doesn't. Yeah, Blazers really just dominated this game. Nobody played poorly. Um, Anthony, even though we're talking about him, only five of 13, which isn't bad, uh, for 12 points, but he actually had six assists in this game, which I know you will be proud of. Yeah, it's great. Like I said, he's getting Dame open off these seals and picks for Dame and Dame, I think was seven for seven, um, catch and shoot 
three pointers or something in the game. Like all of his misses were off of were off of just off the dribble stuff. So um yeah, he was getting everybody open and, and Dame for sure was helping him out with some assists. Uh, the next game in San Antonio, first game of the road trip, the Blazers win 128 to 112. Uh, similarly to the last game, we kind of dominated from the beginning to end, but the Spurs did make a run to cut it to like six or seven. Um, I wasn't too worried, but it was a little bit surprising. We had a 73 point half in this game. So Blazers just showing that their offense is going to continue to be amazing. And if they can put together good defense like they had in the beginning of the season, this could really make this team dangerous. Yeah, and again, Dame had seven threes made um, and very efficient from the field, 14 for 23, and he had uh, 37 points, which made it four games in a row of having 35-plus points uh, per game. The first game off of the injury, I think he had 22, and then the four games after that, he eclipsed 35 every single uh, time after that. But yeah, the Spurs are a very young team, kind of on Popovich team where he kind of just lets Keldon Johnson just run the show and kind of do what he wants to do out there. And I, I was really impressed from Keldon Johnson. I feel like he went into the lane against Nurk, against Jeremy, against Eubanks, and kind of just sh- shielded the contact and made basically all of his acrobatic contact layups. And that's what kept him in the game, was uh, kind of making that little comeback at the end of the game. You know what really surprised me in this game was that Soan didn't start and he only played 21 minutes after he guarded Dame so well in the first game. Do you know what that was for? Uh, he's he's coming off of an injury. So maybe they just wanted to kind of get him off uh, Dame as much and kind of just come into the offense and defense as it is. But I think it was like a second game coming back off of an injury. So mm-hmm. they just wanted to get him back in the mix. Well, definitely helped that Vassell was 4-16 in this game. Um, but Kelton Johnson was good. And I don't think the Spurs were bad. I think the Blazers were just much better. Like you said, Lillard, 37 points. Anthony Simons had 23 on 5 of 9 shooting from 3. Sharp continued to be pretty good. 12 points um, on 5 of 7 shooting and 2 of 4 from 3, which is good to see because he'd really been struggling from 3. I think I said in the last podcast, he was something around like 14% in the previous month. So good to see that. And then Grant, of course, 18 points, consistency from him. Yeah, like 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 you said, everyone was very efficient from the field. The big guys were eight for 11, um, basically all their shots in the lane. And the team shot close to 61% from the field. So any given night where you're eclipsing 50%, you have a pretty good chance of winning. So when you're at 60, it was kind of a no doubt, no brainer that we were going to win this game. And it was like another situation where we ha- got to got to see some, a couple of the young guys play a little bit more minutes, um, and have the the big the big guns sit a little bit going into the next game, which um, I guess you could say is the polar opposite of what happened. But um, it was good to give those guys a little bit more rest because um, a six game road trip is a long task. So any time to give those guys rest is a is a good thing. Definitely. And then moving on to the next game in Texas, game two of the Texas trio in Dallas on Friday. This was honestly probably our worst game of the year, I would say. If not, definitely from one the of them. Def- I would say from the defensive side, it was pretty bad. Like, we couldn't really stop anybody. 
Um, we were talking about guys like Finney Smith and Wood and Hardaway kind of struggling with their shots. And they were just, they were just blatantly wide open the whole game. So they just kept making shots. Did this game worry you much? Cause I, I mean, I was listening to the ringer last week and Verna was saying every team has five games a year where they just get blown out and they have five games a year where they just absolutely make every shot. And I think this was honestly one of those games for Dallas and one of those games for us. I just think this was going to be really tough from start to finish. And I, I'm not too concerned. I still think we're a better team than Dallas. I just don't think we match up with them terribly well, but I'm not too concerned with this. I wouldn't say I was, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm really that much concerned with it. I would be concerned maybe if we were to come up against Dallas in a playoff series. Like like, like you said, I just don't think we match up very well, especially with their guard play of Dinwiddie and Luca being so big against Dame and Ant, who are kind of small and not very good on defense. So, I mean, no one can really stop Luca Luca one-on-one, but our guards definitely can't stop him. And um, we were sending two, three bodies at him, and that was just leaving wide open shots for all these guys on the floor. And Christian Wood just was a bully the whole game. And, and like Nurk just wanted to stay in the paint and just not guard him. So, um, yeah, like you said, just, they were just making everything that felt like it was, it was not a terrible game in the first half, but just the way we came out in the third quarter was just, yeah, just wasn't very good between the second and the third quarter. We gave up a total of 79 points. So that's just not going to do it. Yeah, I mean, we were hanging around in the first half, and in the third quarter, it was one of those moments where it's like, all right, we're either going to start this well, or we're going to get back into this, or Dallas is going to go on a run and end this game, and that is what happened, and Chauncey pretty much pulled the guys. He wanted to see if the bench could give us a run, but they didn't, and it got up to like 25, so probably good to rest at that point. Yeah, but... and this, like I said, like the starters, they got pulled with about five minutes left in the third, and they didn't come back. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the game. So just kind of sending a message to the guys like, hey, man, like get your head out of your ass. We got another game, another winnable game in Houston that we should win. And he kind of just let the young guys get some minutes. And it was really good for Trent and Wofford. I thought it's one of the best games that he's had as a pro. Um, 16 points, 11 rebounds, six assists. Was very confident driving to the lane and was even confident shooting uh, threes as well. So from his side, I thought he was really good. And then Keon coming off of an injury was very aggressive. Um, had 13 points as well. Um, we know that he's not really shy from shooting the three. Um, sometimes you don't want him to shoot it as much as he does. But um, in a game like this, I didn't really care. I just wanted him to get some reps in. Um, so for those two guys, it was really good to see um, them get some playing time, and put up some numbers. And then um, from highlights-wise, you could say that Sharp and Greg Brown um stole the show with their their couple of highlight dunks that they had yeah i mean sharp had some dunks that just didn't even look possible i mean they were all over the nba subreddit and people were commenting saying i feel like we have one of these every single night with Shaden," and it really is true he had 10 points in this game two for five from three so continuing on that good streak this was his third game in the row um, of double figure scoring so honestly there were some good signs from the young guys in this game and the reason I'm not that concerned is like Anthony three for ten, Jeremy Grant two for nine. Um, I think Jeremy might have been dealing with a little bit. Like we know they didn't play in the Houston game. Mm-hmm. Um, he might have maybe tweaked his back a little bit, or had some back spasms early in the game, and he just um, he just couldn't get out of it. And it was good to get him some rest as well. But that's you don't see a Jeremy Grant just 
seven points, no rebound type of game. Very no often. steals, he's no used, blocks, one assist. Yeah, he's not. He's an active player. He's someone that gets a lot of points per minute when he's on the floor, and just it just didn't. He didn't seem like himself from the very start, and that's the kind of guy that has been a difference maker for the Blazers this year with Dame out and with Dame on the court. And I think that's maybe the reason why this game just got out of hand. Yeah. Simons and Grant combined for 14 points total. You're not going to win the game. So really it's okay. I mean, we both predicted that we'd go three and four in this little four game stint and that's what we did. So I'm not too concerned with it. Hopefully next time we play Dallas, I believe we've played them twice in Dallas. So hopefully next time when we're at home, so kind yeah, of figure the it next out. time we play Dallas um, is coming up in January. And it's one of those back-to-backs where we have them at home. And it's like, it's like actually back-to-back. They play them like on a Friday and then a Saturday, like back-to-back. Okay. But hopefully, like uh, I keep seeing them in shoot around, but hopefully Gary Payton's available for those games where we can put him on Luca, And that will be a lot different. Yeah, I mean, if we do have a playoff series with them also, I think we will try different things. I don't know if Chauncey's, you know, showing all of his cards, but if Gary Payton's back, I think it's totally different. And these two games probably aren't even relevant. But um, yeah, Blazers lose this game 110 to 130. Obviously, solid signs, like you said. Watford, 16 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. Um, and no starter log, 25 or more minutes, so they did get some rest. But last game of the Texas trio was at Houston. The Blazers won this game 107 to 95. I think it was honestly not as close as that sounds. I mean, that's a 12 point win, but I feel like we were beating them start to finish. Um, Dame finally eclipsed 18,000 points in this game, which is extremely impressive. I mean, a lot of guys, even like the best players of all time, have never done that for one franchise. I believe like Carl Malone has the most all time. It's around 36,000. But for re- reference, Michael Jordan is around 29,000 um, for his team. So still really impressive. Dame had a rough shooting night, but still 25 points, 10 assists. We've really seen this year in one turnover. So we've really seen this year when Dame has struggled. I think this is his best playmaking year that I've seen. He really seems to be able to get other people involved. And that's probably because of having Grant and Simons being such good shooters, but it is really good to see that he can do that and still make an impact. Yeah. Um, I know like I like to listen to Lamar. He, he, he like points some stuff out during the broadcast where it's like early in the game and he kind of looks to play make a little bit before he starts going into his shooting stuff. Um and I would say that he didn't have a great shooting performance. He shot seven for 25 for 13. But like you said, um, another double digit assist night and one turnover, which is very efficient. And that's what you kind of want from your point guard. Um, but yeah, I think one of the reasons why this game stayed so close is because Houston's rebounding. Um, they out rebounded the Blazers 51 to 36. So we're kind of just basically bullying them on the glass. Yeah, which. You know, probably not the best, but we were missing Jeremy Grant, and that's one of our key guys. So I feel like it's not something to be too concerned about. I think we're one of the better rebounding teams in the NBA, probably mostly thanks to Josh Hart. So not that big of a concern, and we really did handle this from start to finish, even playing really good defense in the third quarter, only giving up 14 points, which was really good to see. Um, And then Josh Hart had 13 rebounds. So shout out to him for just being an absolute dog. I mean... No other guy on the team has more than five, including Nurk. So 
Nurkic just... took a couple of shots last night. Like I think three shots to the face. Yeah, um, I mean Nurkic seems to get hit in the face more than anybody. <laughs> yeah, he's got a big face, big head. Um, but yeah, like you said, Dame, like you said, Dame clips eighteen thousand, and he had uh, twenty five points, so he's about twenty one points away uh, from breaking uh, Clyde Drexler's mark as the leading scorer in Blazers history. We'll probably get that. We'll definitely get that in our trip to Oklahoma City for those two games, but I, I, I guarantee he probably does it on Monday. Yeah. Um, and Dame was struggling with a shot, and it was kind of weird seeing Jalen Green just kind of trash talk him and talk shit to him, which I think Houston, just watching him talk a lot of shit for being as ass as they are. Like Jalen Green and Kevin Porter were just talking smack the whole game. And like they think they're like the best backcourt in the NBA, where they they they're terrible. Like efficiency wise, they're one of the worst shooting backcourts in the NBA. They have the worst field goal uh, efficiency as a backcourt, and it showed in this game. They shot 0 for 12 from three, um, eight for 26 from the field. So just not very efficient. Um, and yeah, I just I think they talk a lot of shit for not being very good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, nobody on the Rockets had more than 15 points. Uh, Green had 15, but like you said, inefficient. He was 5 of 16. Meanwhile, Dame had 25, and Anthony Simon said 32 on 11 of 21 shooting. So I don't know why they're talking shit in that situation. I remember that game in Portland, too. Like, Jalen Green, like, he shot over, like, 25 shots. and He was was awful. He was, like, 4 for 25. I was at that game. I didn't even notice him. But yeah. yeah, also Justice Winslow, four steals, didn't have 10 assists, only had two, but he was he was still good with those four steals and pretty solid defense. So and another another another, another, solid... another lack like lack of physical game from Jabari Smith, only six points, three for 11 from the field. Like there were like they, we were putting Dame on him at times in the post and he just wasn't he was doing fadeaway jump shots like I I just don't see um I just don't see it from Jabari this year. And if we were to do a redraft, I don't even know if he's in my top five, to be honest with you. And where would Shaden be too? He's, he is, he's in the top five. He's probably closer to three. Um, I would say. Paolo. I probably like, if I was to go top five, I would probably go Paolo. Matherin. Sharp. Durin. Mm. I mean, he's in the top three, though. That's yeah. That's, that's I mean, I I would play, like the way they've been playing this year. I would, I I think the way that Jalen Duran's played for Detroit has been a lot better than I've seen from Jabari Smith. Oh, I mean, night Jabari Smith has been one of the worst players in the NBA this year, and I think this speaks to Houston's rebuild process. I mean, they're nine and twenty with. Which isn't that bad, six and seven at home, but you can't like, just roll I, out I, all these. Like Tari Eason, Tari Eason's been their best rookie in my opinion. Yeah, I mean you can't just roll out all these guys. The only leadership you have is Eric Gordon, and I don't know if he's really providing that much. I mean, he's going to be gone tonight. at the trade deadline. So, well, I yeah. thought he was last year. So, I mean, I mean, I agree with you, but we'll see. I just don't think you can develop these guys with that happening and just basically trying to lose. They're just going out there and shooting whatever shots they want. They have no leadership. I don't think it helps at all. I think I'd much rather have like Sharp playing 20 minutes a game, playing behind Dame and all those guys, than just letting him shoot 50 times and lose every game. But 
Anyways. Yeah, there was a point. There was a point in the game where they were shooting. They were. I mean, well, they ended. They ended three for twenty nine from three, which is ten um, percent. It's not very good. Three for twenty nine. My gosh. Yeah, they shot 10 percent from the line. They shot ten percent from three. That's pretty bad. And a lot of them were open. I wouldn't say that we were. I mean, it wasn't as bad as the Dallas game, but like leaving Let them shoot. open and stuff. But yeah, Let they were just kind of letting them shoot. Like, I would say Jalen Green's best thing is driving to the lane and creating contact. And if he's going to shoot a three, just let him shoot it. You know what I've seen from the Blazers more than Terry years? I'm not saying in this game, but like there's been some times when we have just like, I swear Chauncey's told our guys to absolutely let them shoot. Do you remember when Nurk just ignored AD in the corner and he hit the backboard? Their side of Which the backboard. Game? Laker game in the beginning of the year. Do you remember when we were just absolutely oh, letting yeah, yeah. AD shoot yeah. whatever he wants? We've been doing that sometimes, just letting guys shoot when they're cold, which I really like. I mean, make them prove it. If they're going to go 0 for 6 from both their backward players, then let them keep doing that. Yeah. And yeah, and it was another game where Chauncey actually tried to have our Blazers uh, sit in the fourth quarter. Um, but they kind of made a little run in the fourth and he actually had to bring them back in to kind of close it out to make sure we got the victory. But mm-hmm. like, a, like you should win in Houston. A playoff team should win in Houston. And they did. They got it done. And uh, they got the, the doubleheader against OKC coming up. Yep. Blazers finished three and one since our last podcast. Like we predicted, didn't get the uh, Texas trio sweep. But before we move on to the rest of the NBA, I just wanted to ask your opinion on this. I had a Blazers group message where, some people were debating this, and I, I don't even think it's a close answer, but if money was not a, you know, if you didn't have to match salaries, would you trade Sharp for OG straight up right now? OG and Anobi? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a very tough question because you put them in with basically him and Grant. It's a really good wing duo. Um, probably the best wing duo in the NBA. Um, he's a really good spot up shooter, but like you said, Sharp has the highest upside basically of any Blazer on the team besides Anthony. So it's a really tough question. Um, I think if we are going to win now, I think it's, I think I would probably do that trade. If you're looking for the future and kind of replacing Dame, then I would keep Shaden and have the backcourt of Anthony and Shaden for years to come. I mean, I like OG. Like, if we could trade for anyone realistically, it'd probably be him for me, but there's no way I'm making this trade. One, because, I mean, I said not matching salaries doesn't matter, but obviously, even if you could make the trade, you're not going to be able to afford OG, Grant, Nurk, Lillard, and Simons down the road. You're not going to be able to repay them. And second of all, like, I know it is a win-now move, but I personally think our best chance of winning a title would be to hope that Shaden is really really good in two to three years before his extension kicks in so i wouldn't do this and like you said sharp maybe highest potential on the team he's probably top five highest potential in the entire nba at this point i mean the athleticism is unreal and he doesn't seem to get nervous obviously he's been in a slump lately but he's 19 years old so i just my my friends were saying or one of them said he would do it in a heartbeat and i just was like i can't believe that i can't believe how fast our opinion 
can shift on a guy who we didn't even expect to play this year. And a few months ago, people were saying, I mean, Zach Lowe and Ryan Rosillo said in their podcast, they don't even know if they would trade him for Durant, which is crazy, but that just shows how much potential he has. Yeah, and it shows that we made the right pick. Yep, we definitely made the right pick with Sharp. Uh, moving on to the rest of the NBA, Devin Booker dropped 58 points. Was that two nights ago? No, it was, it was last night. Last night, and the Pelicans blew a 24-point lead. Um, I know you watched this game. I did not actually watch this game, but sounds like he was on an absolute heater. Yeah, he's probably, I would think that when a guy just is in the zone, um, where you just feel like they're just going to pull up from anywhere on anyone, they're going to make it. I would say that Curry, Dame, and Booker are probably the top three of just players that are just, they just go absolutely unconscious, like in a, like they're hypnotized. They don't even know where they're at, basically. Um, and it was just one of those things where he was just pulling up on three defenders and not like bad defenders at all, like Herbert Jones and Trey Murphy, and he was just making everything. And then the fourth quarter, he, kind of fell into a slump i think he had like he had i don't know what he had through like three quarters or middle of the fourth quarter but he he finished like the last six minutes with only like two points so he could have eclipsed 60 for sure he missed a couple of free throws but yeah devin booker was amazing i mean he could have had 70 especially if the game went to overtime yeah definitely and like like we said from the last pod um we talked about the pelicans being first in the west with bad play from CJ and not having Brandon Ingram and they've actually gotten better play out of CJ and they've lost their last three games since being since being in first so a little bit of a rough spell um for the Pelicans yeah a little bit of a losing streak for them but um teams in New York are on winning streaks the Knicks have won seven in a row and the Nets have won six in a row Kyrie hit a game winning three against the Raptors a few nights ago which was really nice um Ben Simmons is finally back and I've hated on him a lot this year I still I still hate some of the mentality he has but he's had some really good games so we haven't really given him a shout out on this podcast yet but I mean he had some games a month or so ago with like 15 points seven rebounds 11 assists or 11 points 11 assists seven rebounds 15 points 13 rebounds, seven assists. You know, I would say that it first blocks. started. It first started when he played the Blazers. That's what caught him out of his slump. I know that he did play really well. That was the best game of the year for him at that point. He but, even made free throws. Yeah, he did. We did the hack of Ben and he made them. Maybe hack of Ben was what completely turned everything around. But <laughs> and then on the other side of the country, Steph Curry out one to two weeks. Um, the Warriors had been struggling a little bit. But they won tonight, I believe, and Poole had 43 points. So probably probably needed rest for Curry. We don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, I mean, one to two weeks is obviously the timeline. But hopefully he's back in that actual timeline, doesn't miss extended time. Um, and then shocker, Anthony Davis hurt his foot as soon as he's playing well. We just talked looking. about it last podcast. I yeah. told you he was going to get hurt. Yeah, I mean, it's not even surprising at this point. He finally starts playing well, finally starts looking like prime AD, and he gets hurt um, and expected to miss a month. The Lakers have been playing really well. They're currently uh, beating the Wizards by three points with two minutes left, so we'll see if they win that. But the Wizards have not been good. So, I mean, as yeah, soon as they turn things around, yeah, AD gets hurt. And it's really just disappointing because it's kind of like, oh, is he going to you know, turn his career around? And then it's like, hmm. It might just always be like this, where he comes back and he starts playing well and he gets hurt again. He's he's made of glass. We've said that before. 
Yeah, uh, definitely made a glass. Talking about uh, another losing streak from a good team, the Celtics have lost two in a row at home to the Magic. Um, one of those with Tatum and one without. That means they've lost four of the last five, and that puts Orlando on a six-game win streak. Um, I mean, Ben Caro's been a big part of those wins, but also Markel Fultz hit like three or four clutch shots in a row in that uh, first win. Putting, putting it to Tatum, man. Yeah. I'm the first I mean, pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I promise the, that uh, the Celtics are not regretting <laughs> picking <laughs> that trade they made to uh, move down to take Tatum. But still, good now, for Now, yeah, just a, a weird a weird thing where Orlando's just pulling out games out of their ass. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, good for them. They've got a lot of young talent. I know you like a lot of those guys. And some that you want to talk about in this next segment. Do you want to kind of introduce your segment? And then uh, this is this was your idea. but it, So I'll let, you, I'll let you introduce it and kind of explain what's going on. Yeah, so I know as Blazer fans, we probably don't get a time to watch a lot of other players in the NBA. I do. I I watch every every night. I usually try to watch um, a game at some point and then kind of key in on the guys that I like to watch. So, I mean, I made this list kind of on how these players are playing this year. Um, I try to take out as much bias as possible. Um, there probably is a little bit of bias in there, but I tried to take out as much as I could. But it's basically the top 25 players that I would want to see on NBA League Pass or you would want to see on NBA League Pass um, if you had the chance. So having the NBA League Pass, meaning that Blazers are taken out of the question because they're not on League Pass because they're our regional team. So um, I'm trying I mean, to put... You don't, I got a VPN. You don't use VPN? Mm, no, not really. No, I, I, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm ruining your explanation. Keep going. But yeah, so it's kind of like the the top twenty five players that I would want to watch on any any given night, basically. Um, and I kind of separate them into tiers, basically. Um, so we'll start twenty five to twenty one. So uh, I have Demontis Sabonis, Evan Mobley, Paul George, Bam Adebayo, and Laurie Markkinen. And this tier is kind of just called can't go wrong. Like if they're on TV, you really can't go wrong. Um, Zabonis has been key for the Kings this year and kind of um, leading their uh, team to a winning winning start. Evan Mobley, like you talked about with Sharp, has probably one of the biggest upsides in the NBA. Paul George has been really key for the Clippers staying afloat with Kawhi out. Um, Bam Adebayo, basically uh, a big that can play the point. Um, he's kind of like a mini Jokic who's going to be higher on this list, of course, but Bam's been good this year. And then uh, Laurie Marketing, who's kind of been just the reincarnation of Larry Bird this year. What do you think of that tier? I think it's good. I mean, I'll go on my rant later of a guy you're leaving off this list. Actually, no, let's just do it now. I, th- I think this is a good list. I think Laurie is really interesting to watch. Um, I don't love watching Paul George just because I think it's just kind of a lot of shooting. Um, I don't know. I don't think he's really that interesting um Mobley like you said really fun to watch I think Mobley's a little underrated on this list yeah I Um, do too looking at it but but it's it's hard to put a guy higher on this list where he's not really putting up huge numbers per se like if he has a good game he's usually putting up 12 and 10 15 and 10 um with a couple of blocks or stuff but 
it's a little bit harder when he's not putting up huge numbers, but he just he's he's so lengthy and he just has a he I think he has the highest upside in the NBA for what he is at the position. Like you don't find guys um at that position very often with the the work uh the style that he has. Yeah, I mean he's got the potential to be kind of a Kevin Garnett type player, um, just special defender. And I don't think you necessarily like have to do these rankings based off how good the player is, which you haven't looking at the list, but mm-hmm. just important for listeners to understand that, you know, we're not saying that we're not, this isn't a list of how good each player is. Um, one thing I did want to uh, not call you out on, but kind of call you out on. I mean, I'm a big LeBron fan, but LeBron, not, not, not in your top 25. I won't spoil the rest of the top 25 besides this, but I, I just think I, I can't believe it. I mean, I'm saying this as I currently watch LeBron do his classic step back air ball three in a close game on league pass in the background. But I just think he, I mean, I kind of put, I put injuries into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he was injured for, I would say a quarter of the quarter season so far. Um, but I don't think he's the the main part of their team. I think that they run through AD, who's going to be higher on this list. And I just, I don't know. I just, when I'm watching him, I mean, he's definitely still a great player. I just don't have the, I don't know. He doesn't have the pizzazz is what he used to have. You know what I mean? I mean, sort of. He, he makes some dumb decisions. He takes some step back threes. But I mean, he dunked almost from the free throw line a few nights ago. He's got 33, 8, and 7 right now. And I just don't want to take take it for granted because we're only going to get a few more years of him and i i think he's such a special passer so you always... put him on there over if you were to take one guy off of there you'd take it sounds like you'd take george off yeah i think so but honestly i'd have lebron in my top 10 just because i like him that <laughs> much but this is you know this is all subjective i i just i love watching lebron and i understand it's a little bit harder to watch now than it used to be i imagine if you made this list two years ago he'd be in your top five but... oh yeah most definitely. Yeah. If, we, yeah. if we're making if we're making his um, championship run in Cleveland, he's probably number one on the list. Yeah, I mean, he might be like most fun player to watch all time in his prime with the passing yeah. and the dunking. But I I understand. I just don't know how you can leave him off the list. <laughs> but do you want to move on to uh, your next tier? Yeah, my next tier is definitely my most favorite. Um, it's called too hot to handle and then quotation marks sometimes. So like these guys can get on a spark, uh, get on a clip, but sometimes they could just be dreadful. Um, so at 20, I have Ben Matherin. At 19, we have the fan favorite, Bull Bull. At 18, we have uh, Light the Beam, Malik Monk. At 17, we have Anthony Edwards. And then 16, we have um, the definition of a spark plug, Jordan Clarkson, who's kind of just been He's been amazing this year. Um, what stands out to you in that group? I mean, not to go back to this. I just, you know, you really like watching Malik Monk more than LeBron? I don't know, dude. When I watch Malik Monk, I am very intrigued. I think Carson's in too deep. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, it fits the tier really well, especially when you make these tiers. You kind of want to group the players together. I think Clarkson's super interesting to watch. Um, Edwards on any given night could be like the most interesting watch, just the way he can dunk. And sometimes he's just on a heater shooting Clarkson threes. Clarkson the other night against the Pelicans single-handedly won him that game. I mean, Clarkson killed us in Portland. And then Bull Bull is just obviously special. You never know what Bull, you're going to see from Bull him. Bull is 
yeah, I mean, Bull Bull, like, why is Bull Bull on this list over LeBron? But he's exciting to watch because he's seven foot three, can dribble the ball. He did. He got a lay. He got a rebound this week, and then did a um, three sixty dribble, and then dunked over two people. I mean, I have less problem with Bull Bull than Monk because, like Bull Bull, he could do something that no one's ever seen in NBA history. But Monk, you're probably just gonna see a heater. Which no, I mean, I'll move on from the LeBron thing. I just, you know, he's second best player of all time, if not first. So I, of course, am gonna be a little, a little butthurt about it. And then Matherin, obviously, a really good player. I think. Lillard would fit this category. He'd probably be higher if we could do Blazers, and then Simons would definitely fit this category if we could do Blazers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but Lillard would be definitely higher. And um, then your next tier, tier three. And by the way, this is top twenty-five. I think you said that, but this will be so that was sixteen through twenty, and then next will be eleven through fifteen. Yeah. So this one um, is staying in on a Friday night. Probably would stay in, um, not because I don't have any connections or friends but i would just want to stay in and watch these guys play um at 15 i have De'Aaron fox uh at 14 i have darius carlin at 13 i have anthony davis at 12 i have jason tatum and then 11 i have luka Doncic. um people would probably think that luka and tatum are a little bit lower than they would probably expect but um i would say that the guys that or like that top tier superstar. Like these are the two guys where it's like their games can be a little boring to watch at times, especially Luca, um, who's a huge crybaby on the floor and get a little bit irritating to watch. Um, but what do you think about this tier? I think it's a good tier. I think this is kind of like the elite players who aren't that fun to watch as far as Doncic, Tatum and Davis, and then Garland and Fox, I think are fun. Garland can get really hot. Um, and Fox, you know, he can dunk, he can get hot, he's quick, they just run up and down. And I think the Kings are one of the more fun teams to watch in the whole league. So he represents that as well as Sabonis in your first tier. That's why Malik Monk's on this roster. Yeah, yeah. But you know, LeBron versus uh, Monk. And also LeBron, the Lakers right now, he's got absolutely bailed out, basically turned the ball over, got it back past Thomas, uh, Thomas Bryant, I believe. Yeah, and former wizard. Kuzma misses the game winner. Um, but enough about the Lakers. They get enough attention already. By the way, not to totally go off the segment, did you see Charles's rant about the Lakers? Uh, on Thursday? No, it was after that Celtics game that went to overtime where the Lakers were down big. They made like a thirty-five to no thirty-one to five run, and then the Celtics went on like a thirteen-zero run. It was just like an amazing game. It was that after that one. Uh, I didn't see the Charles segment. I did not. He basically said, like, he basically did this whole rant about why are we putting these guys on national TV? They suck. We do this all the time. They get all this attention. And, like, I agree with him. We do put the Lakers on national TV too much. We give them way too much attention. But it was just so mistimed. It felt like he had that take ready to go before the game and then completely took away from an amazing game where teams just made big runs back and forth, went to overtime, Lakers, Celtics, two biggest, you know, most successful franchises in NBA history, and then he had that rant. So I just wanted to put that in there. I, the only I thing not... I've seen from the TNT group is when Kenny pushed Shaq into the tree. That was amazing. We got to do that every Christmas. And there was a real tree this time. Yeah, that was great. But yeah, sorry, didn't mean to go off on a rant. Um, I'm not yeah, a Lakers so, fan, but... but you'd think so based on this segment. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like with the the guard play, 
Um, Garland and Fox are probably two of the fastest guards in the NBA. And um, yeah, they're great. Um, Garland, I would say, is a better playmaker than Fox, but Fox has been very, very efficient from the field this year. I know you did a little segment on him last pod. So um, yeah, uh, that was staying in on a Friday night and then kind of going into the top 10. Uh, where this is my favorite tier as far as wor- how you named it. Worth skipping dinner. So like these guys are on. Dinner might come a little late. Um, at might 10, I have SGA. The game. At 9, I have the the one, the only, Tyrese Halliburton. At 8, I have Nikola Jokic. At 7, I have Joel Embiid. And at 6, I have Kevin Durant. My biggest problem on this on this one is that I think you were almost too unbiased because I know in your heart Tyrese is in the top five. I would say so, yeah. And this but I'm, is I'm your trying list. to be, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm trying to be unbiased. No, as, no, I I agree. I just as a normal, uh, as a normal NBA fan, what would I want to watch? Yeah, this um, is. I would have no problem if he was in your top five, though. And if I was to pick, more people would pick Halliburton over Durant. That'd be weird. So I just I just didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, because but I think more Monk people. LeBron. I think more people if they watched would pick Halliburton over. Shea, even though Shea's have a great year, but Shea kind of has a similar demeanor and he plays similar to Luca, where it's very slow and methodical and he puts up big numbers, but it's slow and methodical where Halliburton's a little bit more upbeat, fast paced. He has a funky jump shot that people like because they think it's not going in, but it's going in most of the time. But yeah, that's why Halliburton is basically, he's my highest rated point guard until you get into um, the MVP candidates, basically. Yeah, no, I like I like this tier. Um, I don't love watching Embiid because sometimes I think he it's almost like painful to watch how he just doesn't dominate when he obviously could and kind of looks like he's, he's definitely just... dominating right now, though. Oh, he is. No, yeah. Sometimes he looks like he's been playing for five hours that day and this is like his first, his fifth run in open gym. And then other times he's absolutely dominant and just looks like the best big man of all time. Obviously, he's not, but. He looks like it sometimes. And then Durant, obviously, amazing watch. SGA, like you said, not the most interesting, but really, really fun to watch OKC sometimes. We'll see that twice this week against the Blazers. My biggest problem is just Jokic. Maybe it's just me liking kind of the guys who make these crazy passes in LeBron and Jokic, but you just never know what you're going to see from him. And he's just like an absolute genius the way he picks teams apart, makes behind the head passes, crazy spin on the ball. But no, I think this is a good tier. I just would have Jokic. Yeah, Jokic and Embiid. They could be slip swapped, I would think, and Jokic just having a good year. But just the way that Joel started the year off, I think, um, just having him above Jokic right now, just the way he's been playing this year, because um, it kind of goes into it a little bit. And he's actually been a little bit more. Um, he's come out of his shell a little bit and had a little bit more fun. I would say just watching him, he seems to be having a little bit more fun than usual. Um, and yeah, that's why I got Embiid higher than Jokic. Yeah, no, I it's obviously a preference thing. That's just for me. I'd love I love watching the way he passes the ball, but his offense, like his shooting is not that entertaining. So I will give you that. Um, do you want to move into your top top tier? Yeah, uh, well, uh, this one's basically just glued to the screen. So if these guys are on the TV, um, I'm not looking at my phone. I'm kind of just watching everything, every movement, that kind of stuff. Um, I'd say there's maybe one surprise. Um, and that's probably number five, Devin Booker, but we kind of already talked about it. Like just the, 
hip hypnosis that he gets in and kind of just gets into a zone like he did last night where it's just so fun to watch um, a guy like that and can just score off the dribble, um, create his own shot and just, they just, they run their whole offense through him. And it's, it's really fun to watch. Uh, number four, I have Giannis, probably the most unstoppable player in the NBA. People might think that he's close to number one, um, but he's, he's been out a couple of games this year. He hasn't been as dominant as we'd like him to be. Um, and I just think the top three are just, above everyone and that's John Morant, Steph Curry, and Zion. Would you have that top three any different? I honestly don't think I watch enough of Zion to put him number one or no if I would agree. I think he'd be in the top three. I personally would probably have Jaw. Yeah, so my ranking Steph, Jaw, and then John Morant Jokic. three, Steph Curry two, and then number one Zion. Yeah, I would probably have Jaw number one, Steph number two, Jokic number three, and then Zion number four. I don't think you're crazy to put Giannis four because sometimes he's like, sometimes I get frustrated watching him because he takes so many jumpers. There was a game last week, I think they were playing the Warriors. I mean, they were beating them by a lot, but he was just shooting and shooting and shooting and bricking every shot. And then it's almost like, you know, you're going to see a lot of dunks from him. You're going to see blocks. You're going to see him dominate. But it's not like Steph where you can get an absolute heater or jaw where you might see the best posterized, I don't know, posterization. That's probably not a word. You might see the best poster of all time if you're watching jaw. And then Zion's just an absolute tank. Could dunk over Zion's just been Zion's just been so dominant this year. Like, I think just watching him, he's been my favorite guy to watch. Just He's just so efficient from the field. And just it seems like I talked about Keldon Johnson earlier. Like he'll just he'll absorb contact and he'll go into the lane and like want contact and people just bounce off of Zion. It's like it's like he's playing football out there. Like he'll have two guys just totally bounce off of him. Um and just play point guard. Yeah. And just make these crazy layups. But like you talked about with Giannis, like I kinda that's the reason why Jokic was a little bit lower on my list. And that's just because you have those outlier games where Jokic just is very passive and he doesn't want to shoot and he just doesn't seem very involved like he did against Portland. Yeah, and it is weird. The, and with these top seven guys like ahead of him, like you just don't see that attitude very much. Like you talked about Giannis just being complacent sometimes in shooting, but you're never going to see a game where Zion, Steph, Ja, Booker, Durant shoot like three shots in a game. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, no. My my biggest problem, I guess, with the list, I don't have many problems with the list. With this tier, would it just be Booker? I just personally don't like watching Booker that much. Like you said, when he's on his heater, it's like must-see TV, but I just don't think it's that often that interesting. It's a lot of jumpers. Um, the, I mean, the, the, obviously... The, it's, the just, it's, the, it's the thing of, like, I would say Booker is... Booker and Curry are probably the two guys where it's like it wouldn't surprise me if they scored 80 on yeah. a night like th- that's that's the reason why he's in tier one it's like he could score 80 70 any given night yeah no i get that i and i he has i i don't i don't love watching him that much i don't know why it is um but obviously if you're watching him score 70 or you're watching him score 58 it's unreal i just i don't know maybe i don't like watching the suns that much but no, I think this is a really good list. I mean, you just Zion, don't like Chris Paul. 
I don't like Chris Paul. I honestly think he's pretty fun to watch, though. I almost like watching him more than Booker when he's in his prime. Not now, but just the way he right, you want defenses. To, did, you, did you want to hear my honorable mentions? Because your boy's in there, if you want to hear it. Yeah, let's go through the honorable mentions, and then I've got a few guys that I'm surprised you left out. So, honorable mentions, LeBron James. He just missed out on the list. Um, Jalen Brown, Tyler Hero, who's kind of another spark plug who could have fit into that tier four. I think he had a 40-point game uh, this week. Uh, Jose Alvarado, who was really close to making my list just because of how just energized uh, he is on the court. He had a 37-point game last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, and he's he's been one of the Pelicans' most consistent players um, this year. Uh, Pascal Siakam, another four or five that can play point guard. Um, Donovan Mitchell has been pretty good for Cleveland this year. Um, Malik Beasley, who I talked about earlier, has had 100 made threes this year. And then the rookie Jalen Duran, who's just been so good for Detroit. I think um, since going into the starting lineup about seven games seven games ago, do you know what he's averaging rebounds per game? I don't know, but I've seen some like 16, 15, 19, 13 games. He's averaging 15.3 rebounds a game, highest in the NBA. I mean, that dude's an animal, and he's what? Is he 20 now? Wasn't he 18 like during no, he's the youngest. He's the youngest player in the NBA, leading the yeah. league in rebounds as a starter. He's leading the league in the last month, or he's leading the league in the NBA? Well, okay, so since, since he has been a starter. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that's seven games. Yeah, that's that's still relevant. He's averaged fifteen point three rebounds. Yeah. Which is the highest in the NBA, which makes sense. But he's only he's only nineteen, he's the youngest player in the NBA. Yeah, no, I like all these guys on this list. I honestly would not have said Beasley, but I did not know he's made that many threes. My I'm noticing a pattern with myself that I haven't noticed before, but I have some guys, which is that I really like watching guys who one pass the ball, no. But you don't like Chris Paul. No, no, I don't. I like. I don't like Chris Paul. I like watching him though. Oh. But the guys I'm surprised you left out are Lamelo Ball. I mean, he's been hurt this year, but that, I he, he's been hurt. That's the reason why. He's okay, out. okay, that's fair. Um, Paulo Bencaro, I'm surprised just being a rookie who's dominating. He's been hurt a lot as well. Has he? Uh, before like before this winning streak, he was out for a solid, like like similar to Curry's injury, he was out for like two weeks. Which I guess isn't a lot, but I mean Anthony Davis is on this list. <laughs> I know, but he just got hurt. Okay, okay, that's fair. I just I really like watching Paolo just because I mean he's a rookie. You get to see what's next. Another um, another he... guy that um people will probably think why isn't he on this list, and I think it's just because of his attitude. I would say coming into this year, and just the way he's been really just inefficient and not very fun to watch even though if he was playing at his best this year he would definitely make the list as Trey Young he's just been really bad and not really fun to watch that that was my next guy but um I'll, I'll get in that in a sec but Paulo I I don't think he has not missed that many games I mean there's been th- he, Magic have played 30 games and he has missed seven and he has only this is a crazy stat in the 23 games I believe he's played in his NBA career, he's only had less than 15 points once. 
he's had less than 20 points only one, two, three, four, five times. And he's, I don't know, I just think that's pretty ridiculous for a guy who's a rookie. You basically get to see what's happening in the NBA next. He's had a 16 rebound game. He's had games with seven assists. He's had games with three blocks. I, I just think he's really fun to watch. He's him, been he's been really he good. He hasn't missed that many games. Um, he's been but really yeah. good. It's yeah, I, I I mean I guys that I would I I'd probably put just Franz Wagner ahead of him. Just oh, more yeah. entertaining I mean, to watch. Wagner was another guy I had on my list of guys I was surprised you didn't put on. The other was Trey, but like you said, he's been pretty awful this year. I normally do like watching him a lot because he has all these no look lobs to Capella. Um but yeah, he's been awful, so I don't blame you for not putting him on. I'm surprised you didn't put Poku on the list. Not, <laughs> and I'm no. surprised. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm surprised you didn't put Jeremy Sohan. Actually, no, he's that he doesn't play enough. All right, all right. And I want to make it unbiased. Yeah, but it is your list. But okay, I know. I, I, you know what I mean. Like, I didn't yeah. want. I didn't want the Halliburton general NBA. to be one. Sohan the general to be two. NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. I I think it's a really good list. I think my biggest problem was just the LeBron thing. And then I think you're right about Trey hasn't played enough. Um, Sohan doesn't play enough minutes. I'd have Paolo in there. And then LaMelo I'd have in there, but he's been hurt. So I don't blame you at all. But I, I do really want, like watching LaMelo, even though I don't think he's quite as good as people thought he might already be. Um, but he's, I mean, that's he had a team that, that one, is awful. They're that awful. And we, we said they'd be awful. We said to bet the under. I bet the under personally. Um, he had one pass last year that was like the craziest pass I've ever seen. Um, but, but their announcers are still getting hyped. Yeah, no Did way. You... Number number one should be the announcer of the Hornets. <laughs> true, true. Did you see the Kai Jones dunk? The, yeah, when the announcer went the, insane. Yeah. Skiddly diddly boo. Number one on this list should be their announcer. Number two should be Calabro and Lamar and then everything else. Yeah, and then all the way at the bottom would be the Pacers announcers because I love like I have the Pacers announcers are so annoying to listen to, but I watch worse than Phoenix. I, it's pretty bad. Like if you watch a Pacers game, it's pretty bad, and I watch every second of Halliburton, so I gotta listen to them. They're just not very fun to listen to. The Suns announcers are fine. They're just so biased. Yeah, but... and they were super biased last night with Booker. Yeah, they they think he's the best player of all time. But no, I think this is a great a great list. I think it's a fun activity. Hope there was a moment last enjoyed. night. There was a moment last night where Booker hit a fadeaway three in the corner, and the guy's just like, "I'm leaving." He's like, "All right, get out of here." I thought it was funny. <laughs> See, that's pretty funny. But yeah, no, good list, good activity. I'm sure the listeners enjoyed, and I hope they tune in this tune in to watch some of these guys that they might not be watching already. Um, but last in the podcast, we just want to wrap it up with the World Cup. I mean. We can't not talk about this. Argentina, France this morning, 7 a.m. If you didn't get up, you know, I don't know if you regret it. You might not be a soccer fan at all. You might hate soccer. But if anyone says soccer is boring, watch this game. Absolutely Or amazing. watch Ted Lasso. It's very entertaining. Yeah. Might get and you into soccer. It might. I wonder if he was watching the game. Probably not. But <laughs> Messi, probably, I mean, he's definitely, like you said, the debate's over with Ronaldo. I mean, he's younger than him, so it's hard to say that, but still, Messi, World Cup winner, absolutely amazing. Gets his teammates involved, doesn't, you know, demand the ball like Ronaldo does from everybody, doesn't leave games early, as far as I know. One of the best games of all time. My dad will always say that Pele's better, and I've never watched Pele, so I don't know. Yeah, um, we don't have a take on it, right? So people will say, 
that are it's older impossible than us. So they'll, to say, compare. they'll say Pele, Maradona are better, but we, we, we didn't get to watch them. So I mean, it's impossible to compare. Yeah. I, I generally, I think I've said on this podcast before, I just think athletes are better now, but like, it's also a debate of, you know, was Pele better for his time? Was Messi better for his time? But anyway, not something we can really have an opinion on, but Messi versus Mbappe, this is the PSG battle. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, you know. and it's, it's like, people are like little conspiracy coming into it. It's like the biggest win was for Qatar and basically like PSG is sponsored by Qatar Airways. So they thought it was a little bit skeptical that way. I can't believe they made Messi wear whatever that black thing was that he wore. Oh yeah. I'm like, yeah. come on, you're going to really probably ruin the best moment of the best player of all time's career by making him wear that thing. I don't know. He seemed he seemed okay with it. Yeah, I don't think he, he, knew, he knows he was, that if though. he takes it, he knows if he takes yeah. that off, he's gonna get in big trouble. Yeah, there was a lot of things going on in the crowd that uh, were a lot illegal. I don't know if you were watching the broadcast, but there was there was some. I don't know. Let's just say there was some titties out. <laughs> I did not know that. I, I watched the. I don't know what game you. I watched the game. I didn't know what game uh, you were watching. You'll, but... you'll you'll see it on Twitter. Okay. The Argentina fans were getting a little Interesting. into it. Interesting, but you know, <laughs> back to the game. Messi versus Mbappe. I mean, we can't really say Mbappe is one of the best of all time right now, but you can make the argument. You might be able to. Yeah, sixth all time in World Cup goals at twenty three years old. World Cup winner, twenty twenty two Golden Boot winner. First hat trick in a final since 1966. 250 goals all time. Five domestic titles in France. Football of the year. Um, I mean, just incredible. Had this volley that he probably should have taken down and just had the guts to take it in late in the World Cup final that they really needed to score. Put it in the back of the net. Made two penalties. I he swear. Made three penalties. Yeah, yeah. If you he, count that. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two actual goals. One in the shootout. I swear if there was like 20 seconds left, he had the ball on the in the left corner. He beat like three guys mm-hmm. and went for a shot. If he made that shot, I think that would have been the best moment in sports history. I mean, he would have I, had four I got goals. Up. I got up at that point. I got I out would, of my seat. I would never have to watch sports again if he made that. <laughs> I, would I never, got out nothing of my seat because I it. thought he was actually going to make it. Um, and also at the end of extra time, they had – um are you gonna get off this moment already a little bit no 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 wait before before we go i i mean this would have put mbappe at four goals in a world cup final at 23 years old when his team got absolutely dominated most of the game but the thing is he could have there was another chance he could have scored that fourth goal because at the end of extra time colo and the guy from from barisha dormant who's like 18 years old oh yeah he hit he had the shot um, but he basically had Mbappe on the wing, kind of just wide open. Yeah, and he wanted to take the shot, and it would have been an easy tap. I think it to me, it looked like it would have been an easy tap in for him, um, which I think would have sealed the deal for France. But the young kid wanted to shoot it, so yeah. I think there was multiple opportunities for him to get that fourth goal. But I just the way he beat three guys, if he'd made that into that solo goal, I think it would have been the best goal in yeah. soccer history, and maybe the best sports moment of all time. Um, obviously it didn't happen, but it, it, I really thought it did. I, I was getting up out of my seat too. Um, 
And yeah, otherwise, Croatia beat Morocco in the third place game. But this was just an amazing game. Argentina up 2-0. Kind of seemed like it was over, but I kept saying, you know, France needs one goal and they're back in it. They get the penalty. And then Mbappe makes one of the best goals I've ever seen. If you take the uh, circumstances into account, Um, 100 and I don't know, 108th minute, maybe Messi scores. I didn't. I was happy the game didn't end that way because one, we weren't sure if the ball was over the line for a few seconds. And, it, and two, they, they thought it was an offside. Yeah, we weren't sure if it was offside. So the announcers were kind of not sure. And it just wouldn't have been like a really exciting cap off to Messi's first World Cup. But instead, France comes back down and Bappe shoots handball. It was really accidental, but it definitely was a handball in the box. He makes a penalty. And then there's just back and forth. I, I swear uh, Martinez had a chance, a header to win it. Like you said, that he was the worst player for Argentina. He was like, the worst player in the whole World Cup. Yeah, like because I like he when I was talking to my friends in the group in the group chat, like he was a guy that like we all thought Argentina was going to go pretty far, but he's the guy that we thought would get like the golden boot because he was coming in on really good form and just played really good for Inter, and he was he was awful. Like he got benched for Julian Alvarez, who was sometimes he's been playing a lot lately because Holland's been hurt, but like it's like. Coming into the season, he was like third string for Man City. Yeah. I mean, Martinez had like four or five or like he had like two times he should have scored in this game. And then I get a wide open header. Australia. Yeah. And he put it in the completely wrong direction. Against Australia, he had a couple that he should have finished. He had so many one on ones in this World Cup that he absolutely biffed. But I mean, I, I'm sure if he's good for club, he'll recover. Just he did not have a good World Cup and he's very lucky they won. Yeah, now now these guys get to go play for PSG one last time. Both of them seem like they're on their way out of PSG. Um, but they get to go to the Champions League now where they're not even favorites going into their first their first match. I might have to put a bet down. They're playing Bayern, aren't they? I think so, but I mean those guys have got the form right now, so I the confidence yeah. has got to be all-time high for both of them. Yeah, but the consensus is that like he's gonna be coming to the U.S. and playing, uh, for Miami on these like shit fields, basically. Yeah, I think it's just a little early for him to come when he's so good. But I mean, I think he'll probably have fun over here, and he'll he'll be like an absolute icon in the U.S. So maybe that's what he wants. Yeah, and um, I guess the takeaway from the World Cup ending is like we have to wait another four years. Um, for it to happen. The good thing, I guess, is I don't have to wake up at 2 a.m. anymore to watch the games. But uh, yeah, basically, like, if if we keep it rolling and we keep on churning, like, we're going to be doing podcasts, hopefully, at the World Cup here in the U.S. I'm super excited. I'm probably going to try to go to a lot of them. Um, and hopefully we'll maybe take the podcast on the road and do some pods at some World Cup events. Carson's making those plans four years in advance, but I like the idea. It's going to be going to be some expensive games, but definitely ones worth watching. But now the World Cup is over. I guess we still got our Blazers tomorrow at OKC, Wednesday at OKC, and then Friday at Denver. So finishing up this road trip with those three games, hopefully we can go 3-0. I'm going to predict 2-1. Yeah, 2-1. and one. Um, Definitely want to get – definitely want to get at least one to – to get a even road trip. But if we get two, that'll be great having a winning road trip. Um, 
And if we get three, that'll be great. But um, rooting for two, but I would not be, um, it wouldn't be the end of the world to get one, but I'm hoping for two. Yeah, I wouldn't be too happy, but it wouldn't be the end of the world. Teams have bad games like that. But hopefully we can get those three. I mean, the split in OKC is what I'm worried about. That often happens when you play a team back-to-back, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll the get last a better split idea. went our way, though. The last split went our way with That's true. Minnesota. Minnesota is a better team than OKC. So. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. They've been actually better without um, – they, they scored 150 tonight without Russell – Gobert and Towns. That's pretty crazy. Against they're playing the Bulls, but still. <laughs> I mean, it helps That's... when Edwards. No, Russell played. I mean, Russell had twenty-eight, Edwards thirty-seven, but oh, no okay. Towns, no. The Gobert. last, the last, the last game they had no. They didn't have either. All three of them, I think. Yeah. But um, yeah, Anthony Edwards just has the ball in his hands more, which is good. Yeah, and more more spacing without Gobert out there. So no surprise, their offense is a little better, but. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening, everybody, to another great episode of Rippin' Hoops associated with the Rose City Hoops Instagram page. Have a great night, everybody.